Let's go to Jude. This is a very sad day. This is the last message that I have planned for the book of Jude. I think, oh, there it is. <laughs> of course, if I don't get through my notes this morning, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, it's the last its the last set of notes I've written up for the book of Jude. But all the rest of the year, we just review all the ones we had before. Is what we do. Verse 24, 25, please. Jude 24, 25. I have always loved verse 24. I still do. But that, even way back to when I was a teen, this was a favorite verse of mine. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now, and forever. And then there's that beautiful word, Amen. Heavenly Father, help us today as we take another look at this, this very, very useful book. And I pray that you might take it and apply it to our hearts and help us, Lord, help us to see what you have had written here, that we might bring honor and glory to your name like the last verse says, uh, through the way that we live, the way that we respond, the way that we serve you. And I pray, Lord, just you do a mighty work in our hearts today, in Jesus' name, amen. So, there are 25 verses, and we started this back in January the 3rd, and they're all on the the web page of the internet of under our church. You can pick out any one of those sermons. It's taken 32 to get this far, which is really quite remarkable because one year I taught this in Sunday school. It took us a whole year to do the book of Jude. So I cut it down in case you're wondering. Um, now, you may have thought 32 weeks in one little book like this was a long time. Uh, well, it is. Uh, but, you know, anything that's hard is really tough to undergo anyway, especially if it's for a long duration. I, I just wonder at times if the book of Jude was a bit of a surprise to you in the way that we were able to walk through it like we did. I'm going to guess that some of you have never studied the book before and didn't know that such a little book was so power-packed and... Uh, you didn't realize that. And maybe some of you have never even read it before. Because you know that, that uh, New Year's resolution, Jude is way down the list. You've got to be into December before you get to that one. And most, well, some people don't make it that far. But let me just sum up something and make it as simple as I can here this morning. This is not in any way uh, a watered-down message at all, or just, uh, you know, let's rehash all these other things we've learned. Uh, I'm going to bring it to a point today that I hope our hearts are ready for. Okay? Jude starts to write and is alarmed by the false teachers that has entered in the church where he is writing to. He's alarmed by that fact. He's stunned, and I'm putting words into this, but from the nature of his writing, he seems to be stunned at the progress they have made. Uh, their deceiving and damaging ways has brought down others onto a terrible level, a sinful level. 
in case the church does not recognize who they are, these false teachers, or what they are, Jude spends a good portion of his letter describing them. And then he turns very quickly to the main point. The believers need protection, and they need to take action. The first thing they are to do pertains to themselves as believers. They are to be grown up. They are to be strong. They are to understand their dependence upon the Lord. Remember, build up yourselves in the most holy faith. They cannot help others if they are weak in the faith. And so the command to them is not optional. They must grow up. They must remember the words that were spoken to them. Verse number 17 tells us. And they, they must remember that even in the last time, there will be mockers coming, following after their own ungodly lusts. Unfortunately, Jude says, they're in your midst. They're already in your congregation. He tells them to keep themselves in the love of God. Verse number 21. Yeah, with that, you're to build yourselves up in the faith. You're to keep on praying. You're to anticipate mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ. All the while that you're staying close to the Lord. He said in verse 20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. All of that will make you strong. And that's necessary. But it's what you need to do. You are not likely, as likely maybe, to fall to the deception of the false teacher and become like him in sinfulness if you are strong. You are also able to help those who do fall. Because... They were not strong in the faith, obviously. They were deceived by the false teaching. They became sinful in their actions. And where do we find them now? In the hole. That's the way we've been describing them for weeks. So far, that makes sense? Now, what is a strong, mature believer ought to be doing for the weak, fallen believer in the hole? It says in verse 22, 23, I pictured it this way. Reach down and help. Reach down and help. It says in verse 22, have mercy on some who are doubting. Verse 23, save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. The three in the hole, we gave them terms to identify them. They're the confused, and the committed, and the contaminated. And we work through each of those individuals, and I gave you that picture, that you're leaning over a large hole in the ground, and down in the hole are these three people. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the ones who were not strong when the false teacher swept in, brought all his sinful ways and thoughts with him. They fell for it. They are hurting today because of it. Now, we could blame them for not being strong in the faith. And since we have all had that command, honestly, we shouldn't ever expect to be like that if we are doing what we're told to do. And that is to mature in Jesus Christ. That's the remedy. That's the antidote. 
And if we're not growing in him, we are likely to fall. I could point out lots of scripture, but I've done that several times. And I'm just saying that before you because sometimes we look at them and say, well, what's wrong with them? But for the grace of God, that's us too. If we're not growing in his faith, that's us too. That's where we're get to be. That's, that's, that's not a good spot for them either. Our job as believers is to pull them out. That's how I simplified some of the words that uh, have been on this page. But verse 22 and 23, pull them out. Don't you have mercy? Mercy for those who have been chewed up by this. You've been prepared for this job. You who are mature, you've been prepared for this job. You've been strengthened for this job. I know when trouble mounts itself up and we see people in trouble like this, there are two responses. One is that we could run away from it. We could act like we didn't see it. We could step on the other side of the road. We could walk away from it. I think there's a parable about this. And it had to do with a man who was all beaten up by a bunch of thieves. And it was a priest, it was a, it was a Pharisee, it was some other scribe, I don't know, all those people who stepped on the other side of the road when they were supposed to be mature enough to help that guy. And they didn't. That's one response you could have. The other response is, you can help. You could run, or you could help. And guess what we're called to do? We're called to help. We're called to reach down into that hole. And you say, but, but pastor, that's hard. Oh, yes, it is. Guess where your strength comes from? Guess where it comes from? Wild guess. Anybody want to try? It's in verse 24. It's from him who is able. You keep saying, but, but you know, I don't know if I could do that. Well, is your faith building on him? That's what it should be. Have you been praying to Him? That's what it should be. Are you expecting mercy from Him? That's where it should come from. Are you staying close to Him? Okay. If you check the box on all four of those, and I had four, this personal section that it comes down to is for all of us to respond to. This isn't just set aside for one person to help or just the elite elder or something or other to help. It's a personal responsibility for each and every one of us. He addressed this to the whole church, and this church was having trouble with the false teachers. And he said, you help them. You help them. You cannot leave your brother or sister behind. We need each other. We need each other, folks. When the false teacher starts to impenetrate the church, it, the teaching goes bad, maturity goes down the hill, people least pray, people least understand, they get confused, and then they get committed to something bad, and then they're committed, and they're contaminated. And it's a downhill spiral every time, I guarantee you. It's always that way when we are not maturing in the faith when we are not ready and able to assist our brothers in need, when we stop praying for them, and when we stop having mercy, we're in trouble. I'd hate to find a whole church in the hole. The potential is there. 
But the fact is before us, and just to call it for what it is, because Jude is addressing it in this way, not everyone is mature. That's why they're in the hole. But it's also true that not everyone is mature, and they're not responding. Why do you think he had to command them to do this? Was it because they were already doing it? No. They needed to be told what to do. They needed protection enough. They needed to prevent this from happening again and, and help those who have fallen for something false, somebody who has a consequence of the burn of sin. Folks, there's a remedy to all this, and it's so simple. It's so simple. Grow. Grow. That's how you avoid such things like this. We need to grow in the faith. And this is what Jude gives to us. And we need to take it seriously. Here's the facts. When you boil it all down and you say, this is too hard, Pastor. I can't do this, Pastor. I don't want to do this, Pastor. Maybe your will's in the way. I don't know. But when you reach that point, go to verse 24. Go to verse 24. He is able. He is able. Never forget the fact that God is able. Too many times we see the hole and we say, that's impossible. Can't do it. Can't help them. Too late. It's over. Let's move on. Nope. You're forgetting somebody. God is able. God is able. He can change the dirtiest to the whitest, can't He? Yes? Yes? He changed you, didn't He? Yes? And He can use you as a tool to bring other people out. Here's one of my favorite ways of saying this verse, the Amplified Version. Now to Him who is able to keep you without stumbling or slipping or falling and to present you unblemished and blameless and faultless before the presence of His glory in triumphant joy and exaltation with unspeakable ecstatic delight. Woo! said, okay, I like that verse. What's it telling me? It's real simple. This little present participle in the Greek grammar is right here in front of me. He is able. The God who is able. He's able right now. He's able right now. It's a present tense. He is able right now. I want, I want that to soak in. Because it's not the God who was able. We read of his stories in the Old Testament and say, Whoa, that was great stuff. Why doesn't he do that anymore? He hasn't changed. He is able. Not was. Nor are we saying that, well, maybe he'll come around to it and he will be able. As if it's only in the future and maybe a hope or maybe it's a, it's a dream. But he doesn't use a future tense here either. He doesn't say, now the God who will be able, or the God who might be able, or the God who should be able. Potentials. He didn't do that either. He said it so simply. The God who is able. And I think we need to wrap around that one. Because many times the circumstances look bigger than our God. It's from our eyesight, you see. We need some surgery or something here to help us to see the real picture. Because so often, like Peter, we see the waves and we don't see the Lord. 
God is able. The aspect in grammar is continuous. And if you could even pencil in him here, now the one who is continuously able, and you'll get the flavor of it. Always, always, always able. It was true the day Job wrote that on the paper. It was true that way when it was dry on the page and he put it in the mailbox to mail it off to him if they had mailboxes. It was true that way 15 years later when somebody else picked it up and started. I don't know if Jude was still alive, but the fact is God is still able. It was true all the way through church history, folks. And you can start mapping it out the first hundred years or so of the doctrinal years of the church and it's growing to understand things in theology, the organization of the church, the apostasy of the church in the 500s, all the way up to the 1500s, we call the Dark Ages. God is able. Those words never faded. When we stepped into the Reformation era of the 1500s, guess what their, their big motto was? God is able. And they put it down right down to His Word is sufficient, His grace is sufficient, His mercy is sufficient, His salvation is sufficient. That's all we need. They live by it. They use the word sola in front of a lot of their words for a reason. Because I believe it came down to the fact all we need is God. He is able. And then you move into the 1800s and 1900s of missionary endeavors. What took a man living somewhere in this region to go all the way across the seas to a place nobody took the gospel before, to proclaim it in a place maybe like China or maybe a place like Africa. What led them that far is that they believed in a God who is able. We go through Bible colleges and Sunday schools and denominations and all these things that have built up over the years. The teaching, whether good, sometimes bad, but the way things have developed over the 50 years or so, last, I mean, we've got a history here of 100 years. And you know what? God is still able. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed since our great-great-grandfather started churches in this country. God is able. It's still true today. And I just want that to settle in our hearts. God is continuously able. That will never change. Can we live by that? That's what it comes down to. You see, that's where our theology is concreted in our hearts and in our minds. It's the theological truth that works every single day because God is able every single day. And I know circumstances get big for us. Challenges get big for us. Tomorrow, who knows what might come? Last week, who knows what you've been through? You would know. Was God less than able? No. I don't hear anybody saying, yeah, he, he let me down. God is able. That means he's got power. The word dunamis is sitting in front of you. Able. We, we liken it to the word dynamite. <laughs> because it's spelled the same, pretty much, out of the Greek to the English. We, we talk about dynamite, dunamis. They say, well, that's what God can do. Dynamite blows things up. God has the ability. 
ability to do something. He has the power to do something. I like the word can. Now to him who can. Think about that for a little while. Now to him who can. Because guess what our favorite word is? Has an apostrophe and an N and a T and all that in there. Can't. God can. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he added a prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. It's well worth your study. It's a, it's a prayer that goes for any believer at any time, and it's a prayer we ought to know. He says in Ephesians 1, 15, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what is the riches of His glory and the inheritance in His saints, what are the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ, when he raised him up from the dead and seated him in the right hand in the heavenly places. He wants you to know this. Not know it just merely by experience, but this is the mature word for know. That this has been just absolutely the only way I view it now. I have grown to understand and I've grown to know, to know that God is able. I know he is able. I never question his ability. That's what the the prayer is all about. I want you to know he's got ability and it operates right now. And he's got force. And even if he never used it, he has it. Do you know that? We are to mature in our knowledge of his ability. It seems logical, but it also is very practical. Because the more of what we know Him to be, the more we will trust Him. If I wanted to put my finger on the problem, diagnose what our challenges are more times than not, it is lack of faith. Because we don't know if we could trust Him with this one. I really want us to get to the place where we always come to the first statement. God can do this. God can do this. God can do this. That's why I picked that as our theme. You noticed? It's been in the bulletin every week now. I'm not taking it out. God is able. God is able. That's the character of our God. That's the actions of our God. And notice Jude never said if. In the passage. There was not but. No buts. There were no ifs. There were not any all those. That's what challenges want us to think. God is able except. God is able although. uh, God is able. Well. If. We put all these. Kind of potentials. Laying them all around us. Because we're looking at our problem. We're not looking at our God. Somebody 
adds a lot of ifs, ands, or buts in the passage. God is able. God is able if. God is able, well, but. There aren't any of those. Do you see them in verse 24? Anyone have a translation like that? I want to talk to you. I want to know where you got it. Because that's not what was written. It never says if. It never says but. It never says except. Now to him who is able. You see it now? That's a very important phrase. This isn't just written so a pretty doxology could go on the end of a service. This is the way we ought to start our mornings. God is able. That's the way we ought to hit noon time. God is able. Guess what we should be saying at the end of the day? God is able. That should be an understanding because He's always that way. He's always that way. He will never change His mind. He will never change that verse. That's the way it is. In case you wonder about His power, just look at the things He's done. Look at His sovereignness, His, his, his ability to guard, His ability to keep, His ability to protect, His ability to make us stand. How do we know that's all true? Because He's already shown us His power. It's the same power He used when He created this world. It's the same power He used when He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. According to Ephesians chapter 1. That's the same power at work in you right now. That ought to scare you a little bit. Like, whoa, really? I still say Christians should wear caution signs. People ought to know God's at work here right here. And that's, I mean, they should be concerned about that as much as we are. That's powerful stuff. It's powerful stuff. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. Don't, don't allow something other than God to control the situation. Don't fall for the false idea that, that God didn't see or God doesn't care. If you really have an if problem here, you can talk to me. I'll talk to you about it. I won't yell at you, okay? I promise. I sound like I'm yelling right now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yell at you if you have an if problem. You're trying to wonder what God's doing. I don't understand what God is doing. I'll take you to verses. I'll take you to Ephesians 3.20. You can guarantee that one. And it says, Now to the one who is able to do beyond all measure more than we ask or think. Exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. God is able. Even when it's beyond us to understand beyond us to comprehend, beyond us to, un- to, to see the end, God is able to go beyond, beyond, beyond. And I love it when He does, and you stop back, step back and say, wow, I wasn't expecting that. You know what? You ought to start expecting that. Because that's our God. He always goes beyond. I love that. You know, even in the picture of salvation alone, He went beyond. All he had to do was save you from your sins. Instead, he made you his child. Instead, he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Instead, he says, I'm going to make you to look like my son. I'm going to have you live with me forever. I'm going to give you mercy beyond measure. I'm going to give you hope and peace and joy. Isn't that all beyond what you just asked for? That's the way our God works. 
We say, help, Lord. And he not only pulls you out of the water, he drives you up and puts you on a boat. This is what God does. That's his power. In case you're wondering, what kind of power is that? Philippians 3.21 is another wonderful verse I love. It speaks of our God who would transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. That day will come, folks, and it will really shock us when He takes that moment to change us to be like Christ. Wow! You know, that's going to be fast. It says, in a moment, the twinkling of eye, we shall be changed. I know some of us a lot more changed than the others, but we're going to be changed. And when we stand before Him, John says, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. I find so much comfort in those promises. I believe them, because God is able. He's able to do this, and I don't doubt any of that. Well, why did I just go down that whole course of dialogue with you? Because when you get to verse number 24, you have to have an absolute, absolute conclusion in your heart and in your mind that God is your strength and is your anchor. Because you've got to reach down and help somebody out of the hole. And who's holding you? He is. And he won't let go. He won't let go. You say, but I I don't know if I could do this. He says, trust me. Trust me. I'll tell you an embarrassing story. I don't tell this often. Maybe I've told it once before, but most of those people are gone now. Maybe I won't tell it. No, I will. In the the first church I was um, pastor of, we had a very elderly congregation. I've told this before, that our youth group were people in their 60s. <laughs> that was our young people. And uh, they went all the way up to 100 years old. We had a World War I veteran in our congregation. Sharp as a tech, loved talking stories about how he helped fix the Sopwith camels. And if you know the stories, it's like, wow, that's pretty cool stuff. It was great to talk to him. I was, I was 24 years old and scared to death <laughs> to pastor that church. But we walked through it for five years. We, we ministered there, and that was a, a good thing for us. But because I was the only one young, and things went wrong in the church that needed help, I was usually the one who had to do something about it. And, and um, we had a storm, and one of the, the little bent tops, flew off the top of the church building, and we had a pipe sticking up, and when it rained, it came down into the sanctuary. And uh, I'm not much for heights, but I thought, well, I can't send anybody else up there to do it, so I'll do my best. And and I got the parts and uh, all the things I needed, and I set up a ladder, and it was an extension ladder as far as it could go, and it was leaned up against the side of the building, and I took things up there shaking as I could, uh, and I tossed them up on the roof, and then I stepped off that ladder and committed myself to it. And it's a steep incline, and I'm starting up the side of it, and it started to rain. And I said, uh-oh. 
because the, the only way down was this sheet of metal in the valley, and it was slick as can be at that point. And there was just a ladder on the end of that, and then a pretty good drop on the other side. And I thought there was no way I was going to make it down that, on the side of that thing. So I'm still up there right now. Um, no, I'm not. You say, well, how'd you get down? <laughs> well, there was a neighbor across the street watching. And it wasn't long until I heard sirens. <laughs> and it was the biggest ladder truck I've ever seen in my life. This huge ladder truck came into the parking lot. And they aimed that thing at me, and they took it way up right to where I was sitting. And that fireman came up to me, and he said, trust me. By then, I was locked, frozen. They almost had to drag me down as it was. But he just said, trust me. And I went down the ladder. So here I am today. And I tell you that story because, you know, I was petrified up there. And that's a good word for it. I was petrified. And some guy just came and said, trust me, I want to help. Do you know what it's like for the guy in the hole who's petrified? He can't move, he can't do a thing about it, he's stuck. He might be confused, he might be committed to the sin, he might have been in it too long, he might be contaminated by it, and we walk away and say, ah, he deserved it. But he's down there and he's not getting out on his own. I guarantee it. He's not getting out on his own. God has designed it for the believer who he has given strength to. He's built their faith, who've learned to talk to him in prayer, who's trusting in his mercy, who's got him a hold of them to reach down and help. And we said, but I'm I'm scared, Lord. I, I can't pull them out of the hole. He says, I'm not asking you to use your strength. Use mine. Because I can do it. But I'm going to do it through you. He's able. Notice the first phrase of verse 24. He's able to do what? Read it. Keep you from what? Stumbling. Stumbling. Falling. He says, okay, keep going. Reach, reach, reach. I've got you. I won't let you fall. Wow. Does that really pop out of the page? I see it. He is able to keep us from falling. Don't be afraid to keep reaching. You say, but I've used up all the mercy I had. It's not your mercy, it's his. But, but I, I'm going to be weak, I'm not going to be, no, no, no. Pray, pray, keep praying, because the one who is able is using you. Have more faith, the one who is able is using you. Trust him, the one who is able is using you. Do you see my picture? See where I'm coming around to? There's no more excuses, folks, when it comes to helping the guy in the hole. There's no more excuses to reach the girl in the hole. There's no more excuses for us to say, I can't. I'll take you back to the third grade where my kids went. They were taught one simple rule by the teacher. You were not allowed to say the words, you can't, in class. Every time they said, I can't, they said, oh, that's against the rules. Can't say those words. I think Jude has that penciled in between verse 24 and 25. Somewhere is, don't ever say the word, I can't, when you know who's got you. He is able to keep you from stumbling. 
He will keep you from falling. He will keep you strong. Keep reaching. Keep reaching. Keep reaching. Do you trust Him enough? That's what it's about. Keep reaching. And I want to show you something else. Before we finish verse 24, it's called the end of the story. The end of the book, folks, is going to be fantastic. It says, He's also able to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. I long for that day, don't you? We shall stand before Him blameless? How is that possible? It's not you. It's what Jesus Christ has done for you. Did he or did he not pay for your sins? You believe that? You believe you're going to stand before him and God's going to say, now, there was three things he didn't pay for. Do you think that? I don't think you do. I think you're convinced that you're going to be able to stand before him blameless someday. I will. I'm anticipating that. Why is this important to us here? Why do we need to keep an eye on this final result here? Sometimes I think we fear that we're not going to make it to the end. I think sometimes we fear that we're not going to make it at all. Sometimes I think it's our fear that, you know, the ability to stand before God, well, that's not going to happen. You think that's only for certain mature believers. But you're supposed to be a mature believer. And you're supposed to be maturing day by day. And the more you mature, the more you gain confidence day by day that God not only saved you, but He's going to keep you. And the verses that say that is He saves you to the uttermost. He saved you forever. That's because He does it, not you. He can keep you. And you must come to trust Him in that. Because sometimes we wonder if that's ever going to happen. He, he can, I'll just tell you this, I have no fear that my salvation is going to fail because it's not based on me, it's based on Christ. And Christ has failed nothing and never will. And I could trust in that. I could trust in that. And I know some of you struggle a little bit with that, but if you do, fasten your seatbelt. So I want to tell you something else. It's also true of the believer in the whole. It's also true of the believer in the whole. You ready for this? Salvation is not based on your circumstance. Salvation is not based on the sins you do or don't do. Salvation is based upon Jesus Christ only. Only. And if He paid for the sins that we have committed on the cross, He's paid for the sins of the people in the whole too, who are believers in Jesus Christ. He paid for their sins too. He is the one able to save. Scripture says, He who believes in Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Do you believe that? Even the guy in the hole? There is now there no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that the guy in the hole? 
We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined, He also called. And these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. He's not going to change His mind. We so often give up with the believer who's fallen into the hole. We, in many cases, think it's hopeless. It's not hopeless to our God. He is able. And that's what gives us the strength and the knowledge and even the knowledge of the outcome to say, I can reach down and help this person because he's not beyond God's ability. I think it was uh, Corey Ten Boom who said that uh, something about God is so deep, or there is no hole so deep that God is not deeper still. Nobody is beyond the reach of our God, especially if they belong to Him. But here's the facts. Here's the facts. This is what I told you brace for. When Christ comes for us, He comes for them too. They're believers in Jesus Christ. He comes for them too. And He changes them, just like He changes you. And guess how they're going to stand before the throne someday? Read it again, it's in verse 24. How are they going to stand before the throne someday? Blameless. Blameless. Do you see it? Blameless. Why? Because it's what Christ can do to a life to change it forever. That's going to be astounding to us. That confused person is going to be blameless before the Lord. That one who is committed to whatever that sin was, he's going to be blameless before the Lord. The one who is contaminated by sin, he's a child of God. He's going to be blameless before the Lord. Is that not hope or what? That's what God can do. That's what God can do. Don't give up on him. Keep reaching. God is able. God is able not only to keep you from stumbling, but also to help him stand blameless before him in glory someday. Boys, there a praise meeting coming. Wow, is there a praise meeting coming? Does that mean we're off the hooks to rescue him? No. Guess who was given the responsibility to reach? You and me. We're to help him or her in their maturity. We're to help them and not give up. We're to help them because God is at work. We're to help them because God is able. We're to help them because God will make them stand before Him blameless. So folks, our job will not fail if God's doing the work. It will not fail. If you believe God is able, don't quit reaching. When it's all said and done, God gets the glory. Verse 25. Verse 25, you say, well, why do I do all this? Because of this. To our only God, our Savior, the only one, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority. Guess when? 
before and now and forever. Don't ever say he can't. When we get to his praise service someday, we're going to say, wow, he does get the glory. Because look what he did. Look what he did. Every single one of us is a trophy of his grace. Any time in heaven, whenever anybody says, what does God's grace look like? He's going to point to you and you and you and you and me and say, that's what my grace can do. These folks too in the hole. He's going to say, that's what my grace can do. And the thief on the cross, that's what my grace can do. And a man who went around murdering people in the church and later became a great apostle, that's what his grace can do. And a man who doubted him and cut off the ear of a servant on the night Jesus was arrested and then became one of the greatest apostles of all time, that's what grace can do. The man who's full of... Full life is to swear and to drink and to carry on. And God changes the life of a man named Billy Sunday. And that's what God's grace can do. Go through history and mark it over and over and over again. And then go look in your mirror and say, look what God's grace can do. Who gets the glory? He does. If there's no other reason for reaching down into that hole but to say, I do it for the glory of God, then you've got the right place to go. Do it for His glory. Do it for Him. Because God gets the glory in all this. I I just had to lay this out before you. It's probably more than what people anticipate when they're thinking about, hey, you know, that's somebody else's job. I'm going to walk away from that. I'm telling us, every single one of us as believers in Christ are called to this ministry. We're all called to this. We're all supposed to be mature enough to handle it. And that comes down to trusting the one who is able. And if you're still struggling with that, that's where I would take you right now and say, this is where it starts. Verse 24. Do you believe him? Then do it. Then do it. Heavenly Father, help us. You know that we're weak. You know that we're not where we ought to be in our own growth. You know the struggles we have ourselves personally. And if it wasn't for your grace, we would still be in a hole. But you and your kindness have brought us up, brought our feet out of the miry clay. You've set us on a hard place, a strong place. You've set us upon the rock. And we think of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he paid to deal with our sins. His death on a cross, his blood that was shed, his body that was broken. All that suffering he endured, even dying on our behalf so that we might be set free from sin. Lord, may we not look at our brother and sister through human eyes any longer, but through the eyes of the Savior. May we have the compassion of Christ. May we have the heart of God. May we see that this is not impossible. We just need to reach through the power of God. Reach down by the mercy of God. Reach down praying to God as we go. Reach down expecting the final results ultimately that this one will be blameless before you as they trust you as their Savior too. Lord, give us a heart of mercy and help us to do our job. I thank you, Lord, for doing it for us. And I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts now to make us to be more like our Savior. Don't quit, Lord. I know you won't. But don't quit now when we need you the most, it seems, to do your work. 
Thank you for being able, always able, always able. Teach us that, we pray, if nothing else, in Jesus' name. Amen.